Hi, this is Steve O'Mooney, and you're listening to another great show only on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, feel free to check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling, tingling, tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? I feel better than ever! Yeah! To listen to this show, find us on 4eyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. Ian, should add, did not have any word snappers words last week, so if we said anything weird in that weird episode that we had last week, that was just us. But if you would like to submit some words for us to say, then you can do it on Patreon and become a patron at any level and make us say whatever you want within reason. We may or may not have some words in this episode. Hmm. And we're back. Uh, back to this again. Yay! Um, this is... <laughs> we had an interesting time last week. <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna have an interesting time this week. <laughs> I think I think I want I think mm, I think I'm more excited about this one than I was for the first part of this because at least like the fruition that it all culminates okay. towards is like weird enough that like there's more to pull from it. I think. I mean. We'll get to it. The, most of this episode is still kind of the same as the last time, but there's some wild stuff in this at least. So <laughs> I'm excited to get to that. Maybe we should just skip to the end. I don't know. But <laughs> anyway, we're talking about this is part two of the like, Tablet of Time two-parter. So this is Spider-Man the Animated Series, season two, episode 12, entitled Neogenic Nightmare, chapter 12, Ravages of Time. The synopsis per IMDb is Silvermane plans to use the Tablet of Time to make himself younger. He kidnaps Connors to study it before using it on himself. But Kingpin is determined to make sure that Silvermane fails. The original air date for this one was November 25th, 1995. And it was written by, no surprise, Stan Berkowitz and Mark Hoffmeyer, who wrote on the last one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are no major characters or anything because this is just a continuation of everything that happened the last time, like, like directly. Very direct. It's basically just a one-hour episode just cut in two halves, essentially. So Yes. <laughs> yes, there is nothing to fill in between these two episodes. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> and in yep, fact, yep. I think it might literally, you probably could just cut them directly together. I'm sure you can. Yeah. I yeah. think you could. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't miss anything. Uh-huh. Even the recap is just, like, very straightforward. It's just, like... Mm-hmm. What happened last episode? That's it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing added whatsoever. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Basically, everybody got kidnapped. Everyone wants the tablet of time. That's it. <laughs> yeah. 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 We've got these different people sort of seeking out the tablet of time. You've got Spider-Man trying to keep shit together, <laughs> and Doctor Connors is a hot commodity, and mm-hmm. also turning into the lizard. And uh, that's all you really need to know. Oh, and uh, Tombstone doesn't need to breathe. 
Yeah, because that's super important. Very important. I'm so glad that they mentioned it at the end of last episode because it's mm-hmm. going to be pretty much the entire driving force behind this episode, I would say. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's been it's been like reverberating in my head like since last <laughs> week. Like I've been dreaming about it, like the mechanics of it, like what that means for his life, uh-huh, like uh-huh. what that means for who he is. Like it really his changes the game. It really does. I mean, this is going to like change that that one line mm-hmm. really changes the entire landscape. Like what Hail Hydra was for the Marvel yeah. Universe, this is what I don't breathe is for Spider-Man the animated series because the show will never be never be the same after. Do that. you think we would have even gotten Endgame without I don't need to breathe? I think that th- that was kind of the inspiration for that kind of like world-shattering plot twist. Like I don't think that that's ever been a thing <laughs> on TV. You know what I mean? Like I feel like. They had led up to that with Star Trek TNG when mm, when mm-hmm. Picard like the season that ends on Picard like being a Borg yeah. right like I'm Locutus a Borg like that was a big thing but that really was just kind of setting the game for the Tombstone twist cliffhanger because like yeah. that's the thing that everyone was talking about in 1995 like mm-hmm. I don't think anyone I don't think we can oversell how big that was at the time like yeah, I don't think anything else happened that year like. <laughs> SNL was making references to it. <laughs> it was like Tombstone was on the cover of TV Guide. Dorian Harewood, they had to up his, his salary, I think, on this show because yeah, he we got an getting, Emmy for that line alone, right? He got an Emmy for that line. He started getting a bunch of offers to like other productions uh-huh. um, that were that were like in the running. I think I think well, I, I think, think that's he, how he got to play Iron Man in the MCU, right? Yeah. Yes. 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 Um, that led to it. He um, there was a. I remember there was like a whole thing where Spielberg wanted him in place of Jeff uh, Jeff Goldblum in in the Lost World because that was coming oh, out in like a couple of years. Well, Jeff Goldblum, like his agent, I think, got him mm. back in the role because they were like, no, gotcha. we can't. Because I mean, you know, otherwise he would have been a nobody after that. So like, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I think it worked out for the better, though, because that's yeah. Like I don't. I think if he was in that role and continued on that path doing Spielberg uh, movies, he wouldn't end up in the MCU. So what are we doing here? <sighs> Not wanting to talk about this. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Man. Uh, congratulations, Dorian Harewood. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Well, uh, I guess uh, I guess we should we should do that thing where we talk about the episode instead of making up <laughs> twenty five years of history. First episode <laughs> of our show that they're listening to, and they're like, "Is this what they do? Is like this their bit?" <laughs> I guess I guess we have to do it from now on then. Christ for that one person who just started listening. God, yeah. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to confuse them next time. This episode isn't even that bad. It's just like no, it's really know. not. It's really not. They're just they're really chaotic episodes. Yeah. Um, and and in all honesty, like if we wanted to, we could have had like thirty minute episodes on these. So yeah. you know, we got it. We got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> We're padding for time, just like this show does. Yeah. Let's yeah. Uh, make sure we throw in a couple of like yeah. useless flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> like, we want to have fun too. Vanessa, my wife. I better have a flashback remembering her face. <laughs> Turning around awkwardly for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I do. I like this show a lot, but damn. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These. These. Hey, I will. I have more fun watching these two episodes than at least two or four episodes from the first season. So that's true. That's I'll point. take it. I'll take that's it. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. Be positive. I'm going to try to be positive. I'm going to be more yeah. positive than I have been because I've like I've been on a downward spiral. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick it back up. 
Pick it back up. The episode picks back up with Tombstone restraining Spider-Man and not breathing in the yes. chemical, ga- chemical gas, the uh, world-shattering line. But just moments in, Tombstone lets Spidey go in order to fulfill his goal of retrieving Dr. Connors for Silvermane. That's why he was there. So I guess he doesn't want to stay there long enough to suffocate Spider-Man, but that also means that Dr. Connors would have suffocated too. So, like, makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, I was about to say that the count of, like, how many times they could have killed Spider-Man went up. But you're right. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked because Dr. Connors would have died too. Right, right. So at least it does make some sense there. Mm-hmm. And he does that. Uh, and he, he gets Dr. Connors away and reports back to Elisa Silvermane, who is at the Coffee Bean, waiting for Peter Parker to show up to their date. That's right. They have a date. Um, this is probably... I guess, well, it doesn't really clarify anything. I was going to say this this sort of answers the question of whether Elisa Silvermane knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but it really doesn't. She could still be waiting for him at the Coffee Bean, knowing that he's Spider-Man, but she makes a comment to somebody who wouldn't otherwise need to not know that she's waiting for a date. I don't know. I, yeah. Does it clarify anything? I know. I think it, I think it, because I mean, we know ultimately that this was authentic, that she wasn't going after Peter because she was, she was Spider-Man. So, but I, so I think this like, nudges us in that direction because okay. it's like she's still like waiting and, and annoyed that her date isn't there yet like she yeah. didn't you know like that's not a thing that she would be doing if she was evil and setting a trap for spider-man you know mm-hmm. yeah so spider-man does escape the chemical gas he does it by switching on an exhaust fan this is actually really funny i thought um, i don't think it was meant to be funny but i thought it was funny he he's like what am i gonna do what am i gonna do and then he has this moment of realization where he's like wait a second i know the room that i'm in i don't need to see anything (laughs) and so he like web shoots a switch to turn on the exhaust fan and all the gas goes away cool yeah cool cool cool. yeah naturally he swings off to find tombstone but he does pause momentarily to remember his date with elisa because he i think he actually passes by the coffee bean on his way to find tombstone yeah and he's like oh shoot you know what i made that commitment i really should follow through on that because that is what tanked my relationship with mary jane so i should i should do that thing that i said i was going to do i so i don't I, i don't mind this in concept because it shows his growth like i appreciate that like this is the thing that he's dealing with and he's really trying to not let what happened with mary jane happen again yeah i think it sucks in this particular scenario because dr connor's literally just got kidnapped like that's yeah. different from just like tracking the latest criminal or like trying to research who a bad guy is like somebody's life is literally in danger and margaret was also cat kidnapped too so like yeah. This is the a wrong time to have this thought. Right. Even though we've been wanting you to have this thought. Right. Exactly. Like, he, I, I guess he just hasn't quite figured out where to apply that yet. Yeah. Which I guess in theory could create for interesting conflict and character development and stuff. I think it would need to be a more character driven show for them to really push for that mm-hmm. where it would be interesting. But I, some potential, I suppose. Yeah, that would be a whole thing where, like, he does go to the date and then it's in the back of his head the entire time that, like, they could be in danger. And then he, like, has to come to the realization that, like, dude, this isn't working either. And then, like, leaves the date in the middle of it. And that just makes things worse because then he looks like a jerk. Like, that could all work, but that doesn't happen here. That's not what they're doing, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost just kind of offhanded that he mentions the date again. And it's just a a way to get him near where Elisa is when another kidnapping happens happens kidnapping <laughs> number three or four no connor's was three kidnapping number four yeah so hammerhead shows up to the coffee shop where elisa's waiting um his goons kidnap elisa um spider-man's like why are they going after her this doesn't make any sense 
So he attempts to stop them, and uh, I think he calls them, Yo, Chrome Dome! <laughs> good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. Um, and Hammerhead tosses him into a hole and tries to cover him with concrete. I'm going to bury you, literally. Good lord. That's horrifying. It's very horrifying. I was thinking about the whole time, I was just like, wait, how long does it take concrete to harden? Because he's going to have to, like, go somewhere to change his suit. <laughs> Like, will it be hard? Like, will it be hard in time? I don't know. I don't know how long well, it would take, like, when it's <sighs> spread out like that, you know? It's a couple factors. One, that was some real watery looking concrete. Mm-hmm. Uh, True. So it's probably wetter than normal. <laughs> but he's probably accelerating the dry time by swinging through the city. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if by the time he got home, if not sooner, the sort of like thin layer mm-hmm. on his suit was like totally hardened. Yeah. I mean, his suit, his suits, like, that's that's gone forever. Like, you're not fixing that suit <laughs> ever again. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I guess he's strong enough that, like, a thin layer of concrete, if he had trouble getting his suit off, he could just break it with his strength, so. Oh, yeah, he could do, like, a cool flex thing and have it all shatter off of his body. Right, like a, like a gargoyle's waking up. Yeah! <laughs> oh! I feel robbed that we didn't see so that So robbed. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, I'm so mad. I would have been that all been in. such a funny thing to do. I would have been all in on this uh, episode if they did that one thing. Oh, man. Especially if he did it next to Bruce. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, that's okay. The episode that never was. Yeah. Peter yeah. turns into a gargoyle. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Gargoyles was out at the time, so yeah. crossover. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it was even. It was even in syndication. It was airing on Fox at, oh, in, in my in my area. So that would have been a cool crossover, right? And then like foreshadowed the spectacular creator too. So mm, yeah, yeah, great. yeah, yeah. So he's going home to change his costume. So he's he's out of commission for a moment. Back at Kingpin's penthouse lair, Fisk receives a ransom note from Silvermane that has a lock of Vanessa's hair taped to it. Gross. Very gross. So he's upset, obviously. Alistair offers to use the Mega Slayer to retrieve Vanessa, but Kingpin refuses, saying that Hammerhead has a plan. And right on cue, Hammerhead arrives with his mutual kidnappee, Elisa Silvermane. I love Kingpin's response to Alistair being like, I could use the Mega Slayer. Kingpin's like, stop it with the robots. You failed way too many times with the robots. No more robots. No <laughs> more <awesome>. robots. <laughs> Your robots are so bad, I'm going to trust Hammerhead to take care of this. <laughs> I mean, clearly he's already, just with this one kidnapping, has done way more than Smythe has been able to do. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Well, now that we've... Okay, so we've now seen everybody, I think, who ends up getting kidnapped. So let's talk about it. They will get re-kidnapped. They will get released and re-kidnapped later, though. And oh, they will. different parties. They but will. It's all still the same people that are kidnapped and re-kidnapped. So four people get kidnapped in this show. One of them is kidnapped specifically because of the skills that they have. And it's a character that we have seen more than once and very recently, and that's Dr. Connors. Mm-hmm. So he's kidnapped. Okay, that all makes sense. He's, he's, he's meant to be kidnapped and I think is successfully kidnapped by both sides? Or maybe not. But yeah, he's kidnapped, kidnapped. By, by both, I, th- okay. I think. I think. If, if I not successfully, they both intend to. Yeah. Um, so he is, he, is, he is a kidnapping victim from both sides of this conflict. 
The other three people who are kidnapped are <laughs> made up of a group of two people who were introduced last episode and somebody who we have not seen since the first episode of the whole yes. show. so basically introducing three female characters to be kidnapped not for their skills or anything that they can do simply to be ransom Mm -hmm. three of them and the three of them well i guess not not for that sole purpose one of them does do other things but the reason they're kidnapped is just to be ransom yeah and the third one like when margaret first appeared she was also kidnapped in that first episode too yeah uh, and ah. the thing is, Margaret doesn't even need to be in this episode. No. Like, her being kidnapped, like, it does add another element of stakes, I guess. But half the time, she's just in a cell until someone, like, rips the door off. Like, yeah. that happens literally happens twice. more than once. <laughs> and then she just runs, and then she runs and screams, and that's it. Like, yeah. if she played a role somehow, it would make sense. But, like, it adds nothing. It doesn't even add the tension for Kurt at all. Because yeah. he's the lizard the first time she's kidnapped, doesn't know it. Until he's also kidnapped, so it like plays no role in any of this. Yeah, uh, uh. I actually think, um, you know, like we're we're poking a lot of fun at these episodes because they're chaotic and weird and sort of silly at times and and uh, occasionally confusing. I do think this is probably my my biggest actual criticism is mm. like just like you said last week, introduce them earlier, or uh, I would say like. <sighs> figure out a different way to create stakes other than like, I'm stealing your wife. Mm-hmm. Cause it really just ends up being like a bunch of dudes stealing each other's wives. <laughs> yep. Wives and daughters. Yeah. Why? Like I'm going to steal the women in your family to make you do the thing that I want. Um, and it's just yeah. like, okay, we get it. Well, and the, here's the thing. It wouldn't, it would have been easy. Margaret didn't need to be there. Right. That would next one. And Vanessa and Elisa. So like Vanessa, it makes sense for her. I, I don't mind her getting kidnapped specifically because what it ends up doing for her, like mm-hmm. that actually kind of infers an arc that she has, which that's the final straw yeah. for her to be like, now I got involved in your criminal business that you refuse to stop. So this is, this is why I'm going to leave you. Elisa There's didn't... a result, if not necessarily much of a f- meaty reason. Yeah. Like it actually makes sense for why. And it makes, I, there's no theme of this episode or anything, but yeah. like it, so it makes sense for why that would be in here. And this is, this is really the most emotional stakes that we get. I'm actually like, I don't mind that. It's just that in the context of everybody else getting kidnapped. And then Elisa also really didn't need to get kidnapped, honestly, because Not really, I don't think that really adds anything because Kingpin is mad. And then Elisa eventually just, I mean, the only thing that it gets us is like a kind of cool scene where she like guns down Spider-Man, but like <laughs> that could have happened. That didn't need her. She didn't need to be kidnapped for that to happen for her to ever interact with him. Cause she, she ends right back up with, with Silvermane in the last sequence anyway. So her being kidnapped is kind of inconsequential and just pads everything out a little bit. Well, and you know, what's especially weird about her getting kidnapped. It doesn't appear to be Kingpin's idea. He finds out about his wife being kidnapped and by Silvermane in the same moment that Hammerhead brings Elisa to him. Yeah. So it's not like he finds out and is like, I'll show him what that feels like. He does say that, but mm-hmm. it's sort of like lucky that Hammerhead brings sort of an equivalent hostage to Kingpin. Yeah. And it makes sense because Hammerhead worked for Silvermane, so he knows who Elisa is. Right. So it makes sense that he would make that call. It, it's not that it doesn't make sense. It's just like it didn't need to really be in this episode, and it just makes it worse when you have that sort of scenario playing out so many times. Yeah. So many times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we've addressed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 
<laughs> at least they do all at some point, except me. Well, no, Margaret does. Margaret does. I was convinced of that. Um, at least they do all have at least some agency and motivation and 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 demonstrable skills, opinions, and beliefs. Mm-hmm. So a, a spectrum, a spectrum. Yes. Some more so than others. <laughs> yes. And the ones that have the, the the one that has the most agency is a terrible person. So like I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. It's not great. But you nope. know what? Even her, even Elisa isn't like the most despicable human being on the planet because no. at least her motivation is like, I love my father. Like, right. she's still bad, but like, at least she's not just blatantly just evil for no reason. So, yeah. Yeah. She's still true, true, as true. a character and a motivation. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Okay. So, from Kingpin's place, we cut over to Silvermane's place. And at Silvermane's place, we have Tombstone showing Dr. Connors an exact replica of the Toltec temple where the Tablet of Time was taken from. Um, wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think it might have actually just been easier to go back to the temple? I know. I know. But I, I guess know. when you're Silvermane, like, be extra, I suppose. I guess so. It seems more like a kingpin move, though. It does seem like a king, but we don't really know that much about how Silvermane runs yeah. his business, though. We haven't seen enough of him. True. Literally, all of his mo- everything we know about him is just his obsession with the youth, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And, all right, well, yeah. maybe you're a temple guy. I don't know. <laughs> Who am I to criticize? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Silvermane comes in and introduces himself to Connors and explains the purpose for Connors' kidnapping, which is to harness the power of the tablet to de-age Silvermane in exchange for uh, for release and reunion with Connors' family. So that's sort of like the one mild justification that we ha- kind of have, I guess, for Margaret getting kidnapped is that, like, she's also here too, so you can't just refuse to not work for me. But, like, I don't know. I feel like he would have done it under, under a gun anyway. So, like, yeah. she still did not need to be there. <laughs> right, right. It wasn't necessary. Right. Um, th- I should have pointed this out last week, but, like, Tombstone's collar that is popped is gigantic. Whoa. So <laughs> large. It's like vampire large. Uh-huh. What's happening there? What is happening? I don't there? know. I I mean we didn't even really talk about his design all that much to begin with. It's I guess it's not really that unexpected. There's nothing like super different or strange about it. It's mm-hmm. creepy as as most cartoon depictions of him tend to be. Uh, I guess just a lot of depictions of him in general, but yeah, that collar is something. Yeah. It goes like almost all the way to the top of his head. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, uh, but his pants too. His pants. He has like, like, um, I don't even know what they are, but like, they like jut out on the sides. Oh, I didn't even really notice his pants actually. I was too distracted by the collar, I guess. Oh, he's wearing some weird pants, Tombstone is. Oh, God. I don't know what they're supposed to be, but they're, they, I mean, they don't huh. look totally foreign. Like, I feel like they are something. I just don't know hmm. what they are. Interesting. I'd have to get another look at them. I don't know why they didn't even, like, nothing. Yeah. They didn't, uh, I didn't notice them at all. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what they're supposed to be. I don't know if they're supposed to be, like, poorly drawn parachute pants or if they're meant to be something else, but they're weird. Real weird. Huh. He's a weird guy. He's fashion forward, you know? It's couture. Sure. You know what's interesting <laughs> about him, though? What? He doesn't breathe. Oh, what? Whoa, whoa. This yeah. changes what? everything. They should have mentioned that, I think. I know. It could have. I mean, it's weird. It's weird that they didn't because I feel like it plays a really big role in, like, the climax of this, too. Yeah. Like, I almost think they should have, like, set up this whole episode maybe by, like, 
like leading into this episode with that sentiment being the last thing on our minds from the last one. Uh-huh. I think that yeah. really would have landed. I think it would have, yeah, that would have worked better. That's, hmm. I don't know. Hey, yeah. It's weird that this episode doesn't <sighs> really play that up more than it does, but even though it's, it's so important to it, but whatever, uh, yeah. you know, is what it is, is what it is. <laughs> so just then Silvermane receives notice that Hammerhead has double crossed him. Oh Whoa. no. And he has kidnapped Elisa. So Tombstone offers to confront Kingpin, but Silvermane refuses, recognizing that neither can make a move against the other because both of them have kidnapped each other's loved ones. So they don't want to endanger the women in their lives because that's (laughs) all women in their lives exist for is to be pawns in their schemes. I don't want to endanger my loved ones uh, by attacking my enemies, but I will endanger my loved ones by being terrible crime lords. Oh, dude, like, oh, God. God. And you know what? This is also when he finds out that she's been kidnapped. Yeah. His, like, groan faint thing that he does. Oh, my gosh. What is that? Because I think it doesn't. So I, I imagine, like... In a vacuum, I don't think it's it's a big deal. I think the problem with it is the way that it's cut. It's like his line, like they clearly like edited out any pauses in between it. And I think that they were like, he read his <laughs> line and happened? he did the groan noise. I think so. Okay. His line gets cut off and yeah. like it cuts off and then it's just like a completely different like tone of voice doing this groan that it then I think also again kind of gets cut off at the end of it. Like it's just weirdly edited together. Like, like maybe he was groaning longer than they necessarily had footage. I think I think so. Like it was and, more and of a drawn out reaction. Maybe. And like, and you know, it, and it's not, it's like, I think it doesn't sound appropriate to like what his reaction is supposed to be. Like it almost sounds like he was reading the lines. Like he read the lines. It's like, oh no, they kidnapped Elisa. And then he reads and sees like stage direction. Like he groans and faints, but he like yeah. didn't understand the connection for some reason. And then it was just like, oh, uh, oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> I also am not sure that they established firmly enough that that would cause him to be that distressed. It's kind of like, out of nowhere. We know it's his daughter, but it's not like, um, like, uh, I don't know if they established it the same way with Kingpin, but Kingpin doesn't really react that way. You know what I mean? Like, they both have loved ones who are just introduced in these episodes kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Kingpin gets mad. This guy, like, falls on the floor in, like, <laughs> devastation. Well, I think it's that. I think they're also trying to really hammer in how old he, how old and, like, fragile he is. Yeah, so, that's like, a good point. any kind of stress makes him want to die, basically. So, <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, that's because I, I think yeah. that they're just doubling down on his yeah. old age here. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I, don't, <laughs> that's, I get the thought process behind it. Yeah, it's still, it's just like, it's a, it's not a sound that you ever want to hear. God, no. It's it's very horrifying noise. (laughs) (laughs) If you hate our listeners, you could cut that sound in right now. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Your call. Hello, amazing friends. We'd just like to take a minute to give a special thank you to our spectacular and up patrons, Gemma Nicole, Katie, and Chris. And if you are interested in becoming a patron, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. We have three different tiers that you can opt into, the first of which is our $1 tier where you get early access to episodes, a bunch of Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes such as our Spider Bite mini episodes, you get to participate in our Walloping Word Snappers interactive improv game, and you get your own random villain alter ego. 
If you join us at our spectacular level at $5, you will get all previous rewards in addition to our monthly After Dark commentary episodes, a downloadable high-quality poster of our logo art, a personal on-air shout-out on each episode we record while you're a patron, and a Twitter shout-out and Twitter and Instagram follow once you become a patron. And if you really love what we're doing and you want to be a part of it, you can join our amazing tier at $30, where if you stick around at that amazing tier, you could guest on the episode. That's right. You could be on an episode of Walloping Web Snappers to talk about anything that you would like that is in the Spider-Man canon or mythos. So at the end of the day, it's you guys who lets us keep doing what we're doing. So thank you for that. No matter what level you're able to contribute or if you're just an avid listener who's stopping by, trust us, your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so we go from there to the Parker residence, um, and we see that Peter is working on some sort of improved webbing. He's basically trying to get it to stick to the Mega Slayer, because we saw in the last episode that he didn't stick to the Mega Slayer. I don't know if we necessarily specifically saw that his web didn't, but I guess it's to be presumed mm-hmm. that if he can't stick to it, he needs better quality of adhesive. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's working on. After he finishes that webbing, he heads out as Spider-Man to meet up with Alistair's Mega Slayer. This is this is from the last episode, right? Where Alistair says, meet me in oh, six yeah. hours. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I just wanted to call out the the whole way that he's like test the adhesive, I think is fun. Because he does oh, it on- Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> First of all, the shot's cool. But like he tests it on Aunt May. He calls out Aunt May's- non-stick frying pan yeah. <laughs> is how he tests yeah. it which is cool and because it's so shiny it's a really cool shot he like throws the spider slayer on it and you see like his face's reflection in the <laughs> frying pan which yeah. you know that's not gonna happen in a teflon frying pan but whatever sure. it's a cool shot <laughs> and you see him like like thinking about like now i've got you kind of thing mm-hmm. it's like it's, it's it's a cool little bit in this it's one of those things you couldn't do in live action because there's no frying pan that would like reflect that clearly. So it's like yeah. cool that they that's a shot that you can only <laughs> get in like a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so he he, he does end up meeting with Alistair. Um of course, Alistair asks for Dr. Connors. Spider-Man doesn't have Dr. Connors, and Alistair's like, "What the heck, man?" Uh so Spider-Man tells him that Connors has been kidnapped and is surprised to learn that Alistair didn't know that or doesn't know where Dr. Connors is. Alistair doesn't believe him that Dr. Connors is kidnapped, I guess. And so they start to kind of fight. It's really like Spider-Man's like deuces, dude. And Alistair's like, no, you will not get away and chases after him. I feel a little bit robbed because I feel like a really cool, clever twist of this would have been Spider-Man being like, dude, Connors is like the lizard or whatever. Or no, he didn't even he doesn't even have to reveal that because that would be that would be kind of like a violation of Dr. Connors. If he was just like someone else kidnapped him, what if we work together to try to find him? Because I know both of us don't want him to die. And then him and Smythe have to reluctantly like work together to find Silvermane. You know, and then eventually I'm sure Smythe would have like double crossed him or whatever. But like I think that yeah. would have been a, a cooler twist than just like another chase sequence so like again that goes nowhere and like another multi-kidnapping that eventually gets spider-man to like end up where Silvermane is like if he had just went there with Smythe, that would have been kind of cool you know and then they still would have all ended up fighting each other anyway like it still would have led to the same place yeah i do think there's a missed opportunity in the fact that alistair was sort of caught confused yeah seems like a type of thing that peter parker would have been able to capitalize on yeah 
Yeah. Sort of in the way that he did with the Insidious Six. Right, right. Like, it, he would have been smart enough to do that, and he doesn't really even try. Yeah. And it makes Alistair end up looking like, like kind of a dumb, like, rage guy, because he just is just like, you're lying! Ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight you! Like, it doesn't... Uh, these two episodes, in a number of ways, make Alistair look like a dummy. Yeah, which he's... We kind know of surprising. that he's not. And there's still a couple, you know, there's a couple of, like, funny moments that he has that I like him in. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it doesn't really do... It does not do him very well, because he's just really a tool for a lot of... For just the chaos to just continue to ensue through via his robot. Yeah. Yep. 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 Eh. Poor Alistair. I don't know. I don't really like Alistair. All I mean, I don't much. really. I don't like him, but like he can be funny, like in in, yeah. in moments. So I, yeah. and I appreciate that. <laughs> we do get a quick cut back to the back to Kingpins, where Silvermane calls Fisk to arrange a hostage swap. I like that they have each other's numbers. I know. Of course <laughs> they do. <laughs> They're frenemies, really. They really are. I think that they, yeah, they, they couldn't, they couldn't live without each other. They don't want to see, they don't want yeah. to see either out of the picture because it makes it more fun. Do you think they make public appearances together? Not like together, together, but like in the same place, hmm. and are like publicly friends. Maybe because Fisk has his like philanthropist persona Mm -hmm. silvermane we don't really get a good idea because silvermane like the name silvermane that we learn later is known as a crime boss Mm. so i don't know if he like has his own persona in public or if he's just kind of a recluse at this point like i i don't know Hmm. yeah that's a good point yeah we don't really know anything about him outside of this this context and being a crime lord right right Hmm. yeah Oh, well, I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. I nope. just want to know the status of their relationship, you know? I know. I know. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they fucked in their younger days. Um, <laughs> Who fit. didn't? Hey, That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Who didn't? In this show? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Very true. Very true. So Alistair continues to pursue Spider-Man um, to some success, but uh, but then, you know, another case where, like, before he can really actually, you know, land any kind of killing blows or anything, uh, Kingpin calls him and is like, no, come back. Stop what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if Spider-Man's, like, close to death. Just turn around and come home. Oh, Kingpin. I know. Like, come so on, much dude. regret. So <laughs> much regret. You're going to be feeling this for years. Seriously. He shares that he and Silvermane have reached an agreement. So uh, Alistair is like, okay, no more attacking Spider-Man. Bye. And he <laughs> flies off. Before he gets too far, Spidey does get to throw his tracer. And it does, like, he wanted it to attach to the Mega Slayer with his extra sticky webbing. And <laughs> he tells them, I'm still going to be after your big, fat, mechanical tail. Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. I think Spidey's a robot fucker, but cool. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, he's hmm. into it. I guess so. <laughs> uh, yeah well with the spider tracer he is able to track the mega slayer to the location where margaret connors and elisa are both held captive by kingpin um and he even has like a little bit where it's just like i understand margaret but like capturing elisa she's just a lab assistant like that that must have been a mistake so inside kingpin retrieves elisa and the tablet but outside he meets with tombstone dr connors and vanessa fisk so they're preparing to do their big swap but before the trade is complete kingpin of course orders alistair to double cross them and take all of the hostages so now um connors and elisa and margaret are all like wrapped up in a bunch of cables so yeah so uh recognizing the double cross tombstone orders a goon to shoot the mega slayer in the chest with a bazooka 
Oh boy. Yep. 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 I feel like that was kind of easy to penetrate. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. He did say it was like very. What do you call it? Agile. Uh, versatile. Versatile. versatile? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he sacrificed some defense in order for uh, speed and agility. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, it still operates. It does. You know? it's it not does like it blows still it up or anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it works. Yeah. Well, Spider-Man is able to free Margaret Connors, but like, of course this is going to happen. So as soon as she reunites with Kurt, Spidey is immediately tossed aside by the Mega Slayer, knocking over a telephone pole. The Slayer moves in on Spider-Man, but before it can attack him again, Dr. Connors like uses the Recombinator, I guess, somehow. Is it? I don't think so. No. Some sort of laser thing. Where did he get it from? Was it one of the late? Because okay, because we see at different points they have like really big, like almost assault rifle laser guns. I feel like it had to be one of those because it looks similar to the Recombinator. It looks so similar to the Rec- like I because I, I, it's even a laser beam like that comes yeah. out of it. Because Elisa is holding one later on, like in the in the oh. actual climax. Just I remember confusing when you see Doctor Connors in a laser. Right, right. <laughs> but that's yeah, that's the only thing that makes sense because it wouldn't. Yeah, it is weird because it looks similar, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is because those are the weapons that they do have later. So okay. he just like shoots it with this big laser laser assault rifle thing, um, and slices off one of the um arms of the Mega Slayer. Yeah, yeah. Good job, <sighs> Doctor Connors. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell if you like that he did that. Oh, no, it's fine. I it, it, it do. I do. I'm more just thinking of, like, this whole where all of this goes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Afterwards. Well, it yeah. We're about to get to um, the most head-scratchy part because basically, like, that – yeah, that happens. He cuts off an arm, and you're like, whoa, things are progressing. But irritated that Alistair is focusing on Spider-Man, which is – the this is, like, the third time that this has happened. Kingpin orders him to, like, quit fooling around with Spider-Man and save Vanessa instead. As Alistair does that, Tombstone saves Elisa, ensuring that all of the women property are back with their man owners, you know? (laughs) Gotta make sure. But wait, that's not even true. (laughs) Because absolute chaos breaks out when Hammerhead drops some kind of gas on the group from a helicopter. Cool. And reinforcements arrive on Tombstone's side of things. And Hammerhead re-kidnaps Elisa? Cool. <sighs> so then Tombstone re-kidnaps Dr. Connors? Cool. And kidnaps Margaret Connors? I guess it's cool that the Connors are united? I... Uh... <laughs> There's so much kidnapping! I hate it. And you know what? I just... I think... I'm thinking back because I think I... I think I, I switched up some of it and confused it with a little bit with the scene because I think I said... Margaret was in like the escape scene and said, and, and I forgot Vanessa with the whole like wrapped in the cord from the spider slayer because everybody is fucking constantly freed and kidnapped and freed and kidnapped and freed and kidnapped over yeah. and over again. It's so confusing. This, so this scene in the alley, and this is all taking place in an alley, by the way. This is not like yeah. a big open space. It's ridiculous. I fully expected this to be one of those moments where like chaos happens and then somebody, don't know who, basically like has the the like zoom out moment of being like this has gone to shit and is like everybody stop like i fully thought that's what we're like what we were headed towards it feels like that it that is not where it goes right it's ridiculous (laughs) it continues it just keeps going and it's like i don't know it's just uh you know i uh i go back to what we were saying 
last week where it's sort of like if this was like a full on like rat race scenario, if they went full on with um, with like comedy and slapstick almost. Yeah. I think this actually would have worked because it is like you could play all this with like Benny Hill music in the background. And oh, it's just for sure. like chaotic. Like I think if they doubled down on just like everyone gets kidnapped, everyone gets re-kidnapped, everyone's kidnapped again, everyone takes this and takes that and takes this and takes that. Like I think it could be fun, but like it's all treated very seriously. Yeah, <laughs> I think this they would have had a hard time convincing folks that that would have worked. You know, like I think we know that it would have worked. I think we know how it could have been pulled off. I don't know though. Like I would would doing know. such a dramatic tonal shift and having such a concept sort of work in this series in Maybe 1995 not. Probably not. in this season you're right like i just don't know who they would be able to convince to say like no 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 for just these two episodes it's going to be wackadoo i mean i would have loved to see it anyway <laughs> well yeah i don't i don't think they set out to make it like wacky though mm-hmm. i guess it, i guess i don't it know ends... it's so hard to say though because like their comedy guy is on this right right their self-proclaimed comedy guy right like i guess it comes down to like you could i think you could argue that maybe some of these different like aspects of it might work independently or something but like because the pace of the show always has to be very fast anyway yeah. like that's just the natural pace which honestly at this point i think we're used to right but like it's the kind of stuff where if you're going back and forth so much and that's the point it's too much of a whirlwind where it isn't even like, well, you just sit back and enjoy it. It's like, I can't enjoy it because I'm, I don't understand. What's, it's, I'm too confused at what's going on half the time. Yes. Yeah. No, I, there, that, that is the biggest sort of like thing working against this is that there are points where you actually have to stop to understand who has whom. Right. Because on top of the fact that everybody's getting kidnapped and re-kidnapped, you have the element of Hammerhead having switched sides at some point. I know it happens really early on, but just the fact that Hammerhead is someone who switches sides is enough for you to question like, okay, well, that character's with Hammerhead. Does that still mean that they're with Kingpin? Right. Like if especially when they draw attention to Hammerhead doing things, right? So like I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of pieces that you sort of have to keep track of. It helps to have a pencil and paper, which you should never <laughs> need for a cartoon. Yeah. That isn't explicitly a mystery. So I it just yeah, that that it just works against itself in that regard where things are going too fast to be changing the pieces, like the possession yeah. of the pieces to this frequency. The thing that it makes me think of is like something that that I think really um, that I was just like kind of learning about that really kind of like opened my eyes a little bit is that like with like good action directors, like you think of like action movies as like, oh, they're usually kind of dumb. Like action sequences, you just make them do cool stuff. But Mm -hmm. like really good action directors, when you when you're watching an action sequence and when you recognize like that was a really good, compelling, engaging action sequence, but you don't really know why that is like really good directors are very good about like laying out what the geography of an area is and what each like piece does and like what each character is going to be doing and their motivation would be. And then like bringing that all together. So like a good action sequence is not only going to work with the plot, but you're also going to be able to always know like where any character is at any given time. Yeah. Which is why like really like a lot of like kind of like practical, like just like motorcycles jumping over boats things like will often work better than like some of like the heavy cgi like army of monsters mm-hmm. attacking a barren wasteland like yeah. you can make like cgi action sequences work great don't get me wrong but like a lot of the really common ones feel like not as compelling as like a little more old school practical ones sure because you don't really have that sense of like geography and where everyone is at any given time like even if you're not consciously thinking of it your brain
brain is good about keeping track of that stuff. I think the same rules kind of apply to this kind of scenario more in the abstract, where it's sort of like you really need to have good, clear direction on like where everyone is at any given time, not just like spatially, but like emotionally and like what side they're on. That's why I think that's kind of why like good like heist movies and stuff lay out the plan and really mm. like clear, clear instructions. And then you yeah. see it kind of play out afterwards or while they're instructing it. You needed something like that here where they're, it sounds annoying to say they need to spell it out more, but I really think that they needed to spell things out more to help you keep track of everything that was going on. I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing to say at all, given how much tracking you have, like how much work you have to do to track what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, something needed to make it clearer, even if it's just more dictating what's going on in like through the chaos, right? Like that, even that could have helped mm-hmm. something, something to to help identify the pieces. And I think what's really extra frustrating is that like in the end, it doesn't really lead to anything because everyone everyone ends up where they wanted to be in the first place, ultimately, (laughs) or where they wanted other people to be, except, like, Spider-Man is thrown in the mix. But, like, Silvermane wanted Connors to operate the Tablet of Time with Elisa. All of those pieces are there. (laughs) You know, like, every Vanessa, Kingpin wanted Vanessa back, he's got her. Like, everybody ends up where they're supposed to be, essentially, without having needed all of the switching, which, again, could have been fun if it was handled better, but it's not, so it ends up feeling kind of unsatisfying when it's like, oh, this was just for them to all end up in the same room together where they were going to be anyway? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that kind of sums up a little bit of just what happens over the course of these two episodes in general. It's kind of like, here's what we want to happen. Now let's figure out how to complicate the middle parts. It almost didn't need to be a two-parter. Like, you could have cut out all no, the kidnapping I, stuff. Mm, I really don't think it did need to. I think that that was that was going to be sort of one of my overarching thoughts on the two of these together, mm-hmm. is there's so much switching back and forth, and there's so many moments where they're trying to complicate a task, where it's like... Um, like, what was the one? Oh, uh, it was in the first of these two episodes where Spider-Man gets the tablet from the Mega Slayer and then the Mega Slayer just ultimately ends up with the tablet anyway. Mm-hmm. You cut that whole thing, you know? Yeah. They probably could have accomplished all this in one episode. Yeah, and Maybe. it would just been like a fun, fast-paced romp that yeah. had like a crazy ending with, with Silvermane turning into a baby, spoiler alert. Yeah. So like... <laughs> There's just a lot of like loops and bells and whistles and stuff that I think are are meant to complicate, but ultimately don't complicate things enough to make things matter. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not wacky enough for that to, to for the for funny to be the payoff. Yeah. Because yeah. that can be the payoff, right? Like if things are complicated and it's funny, all right, sure, give it to me. Yeah. But definitely. Uh, Hammerhead's not funny. Oh, God, no. Yeah, that's part of the problem that Tombstone and, Tombstone and Hammerhead, who are like two, you know, just kind of your heavyweights in here that are like kind of caught, co- and, and Smythe really, that are like really causing most of the chaos while yeah. Kingpin and Silverman in the background. None of those three characters are really that interesting or like Tomb- and Tombstone and Hammerhead kind of like pretty interchangeable. Like, I like, yeah. I like Dorian Harewood's performance as Tombstone. And, like, in concept, they're all very different, but they all just kind of perform the same roles as being the heavy, you know? Oh, yeah. You could you could swap those two entirely, and they could have served the exact same role. Yep. They wouldn't have necessarily played the part the same way. They wouldn't have, you know, said the same things or whatever. But, like, they don't need 
specifically to be connected to the bosses that they're connected to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you could have, I mean, yeah, Hammerhead wouldn't have said like the world shattering revelation that he doesn't breathe. But like, <laughs> like if he was <laughs> if he was in Tombstone's place, but yeah. but they still would. Yeah, you're right. Like it's still I think that that's what makes it harder to track is because they're so similar. And like, like, like who's working for who again? Because they both only are working like for for like money so it doesn't like there's no clear motivation that's like distinct between them you know yeah yeah there's nothing that really establishes the relationship to the people that they're working with especially with hammerhead considering he works for both of them over the course of the two episodes right right (sighs) chaos 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 reigns i don't know well So I do – that said, I do kind of weirdly like this this whole little sequence that Hammerhead and Elisa in the helicopter. Yes. So I do spi- too. This, this, is, this is actually good. This is the kind of if, – if this was – if it was like this throughout this whole two-parter with just crazy stuff happening like this, yeah. I would be a little more all in because it's, mm-hmm. it's very distinct. So Spider-Man is pursuing Hammerhead in the helicopter uh, with Elisa with him too. And it's funny because like she's like trying to fight him like, no, let me go. But she also like she's in a helicopter so she can't just like jump out or anything. Right. So Spider-Man like gunks up the helicopter with his webbing, which means that like when the the helicopter starts going down, Elisa then has to like grab Hammerhead and like hug him essentially like (laughs) in in fear. (laughs) (laughs) Like hug her kidnapper, (laughs) which Uh is really funny. So they quote unquote crash land, which is basically just like a nice little floating down to the helicopter landing pad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh it no. It's so gentle. Oh no, we have to <laughs> gently, gently go down. Oh no. Yeah. Hammerhead's in the wrong profession. Right. Right. He can crash land an aircraft like that. Damn. Right, right. <laughs> so he jumps out of this uh, helicopter, fights Spider Man. Spider-Man does the thing that if you ever have fought Hammerhead in a video game, read a Hammerhead comic, seen Hammerhead in another show. Are aware of Hammerhead. Are aware of Hammerhead. He stops him by tricking him uh, into ramming himself stuck into an exhaust van. So cool. Easy. Hammerhead, why do you always fall for that, dude? He just (laughs) fell for it like yesterday. I know. Like, come on, man. (laughs) You can't do this every day. But I love this so much. This this is great. This is like my favorite moment in, in the whole two-parter. It's amazing. It's so good. Spidey's like, okay, better check on the hostage. So he goes over to Elisa and she's standing there and she, he's just like, are you okay? And she's just like, oh, I'm fine, but you're not. And pulls out a gun and uh-huh. shoots him. Uh-huh. Luckily, she just shoots him. Luckily, it's like a Trank gun, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> It's like I don't I don't know where she got the trank trank gun, but I'm not going to question it either. She had it with him, um, and I mean I guess she couldn't like trank Hammerhead because he's flying the helicopter or whatever, right? Um, or maybe she got it out of the helicopter. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's funny that she literally just shoots Spider Man point blank. It's great <laughs> when he doesn't expect it. Like the girl he was going to go on a date with. It's just like I love that absurdity. Um, then <laughs> she carries his unconscious body into Hammerhead's helicopter and flies it away. I don't understand how the thing that needed crash landing is like flying again. So uh, this is what's weird is like he, he gunks up the helicopter and she literally just like takes it off the helicopter. <laughs> That's it. It's like a, a tiny minor moment, like barely, barely focused on, but she literally just is like, Thanks. Well, you know, <laughs> Hammerhead, it. when Hammerhead first got out, he started ripping it off. So I can think you could argue uh, that he ripped off some of it or like 
unstuck it enough that she did, it didn't take her that much strength to get the rest of it. I was going to say like, she That's just fair. had no trouble. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it was like an, like a, like a tr- starting to open up a pickle jar kind of thing. So okay. I think that makes the most sense. It's still funny that like, they were crash landing and all you yeah. had to do was just take off some webbing and it's fine. Cause yeah. that thing, it doesn't even have to start up. It just like immediately just lifts right off for real. Someone <laughs> tell us how helicopters work because what happened here? I guess you could argue it's a futuristic kingpin helicopter. I don't know, but <laughs> I still, guess I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It definitely doesn't work like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's good. It's good. That's the best part of this this whole episode. The best oh, part great. of this whole two-parter. And I those think. are the types of things that could have been happening this whole time. Yeah, yeah. Especially with these characters that they're introducing who are, like, getting kidnapped and stuff. Like, make them make them agents of change. Yeah. Like, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing and unexpected. Yeah, Spider-Man getting <laughs> thrown into the situation where he doesn't know who the players are. Yeah! You know, like, it's so good. It's just, like, t- I just love the idea of, like, the girl that I'm about to date shot me point blank. Like, yeah. that's just such a great – it's it's a, it's not an inventive twist, but it's a great cl- classic oh, for a reason. It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so back at the Mega Slayer lab, the one that's a toy store, Vanessa insists that she has no idea where she was being held because Kingpin's like, where were you? Where were they keeping you? But when she doesn't know, she's like, I have no idea. I'm getting out of here. This is not happening again. I wanted no part of this. And she goes home with a couple of Kingpin security guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was a very ominous, like, it'll never happen again kind of Yeah. Message, which, uh, I don't, I think that it's meant to be her kind of saying it to herself, even though it's not played like that, because Kingpin doesn't react to that at all. And right. I feel like otherwise he would have, because <laughs> he's just like. Back to business. Who am I going to yeah. kidnap this time? <laughs> yep. Indeed. <laughs> um, yeah. So Hammerhead does arrive and uh, his kingpin is raging at the news that Hammerhead lost both Elisa and the tablet, which is, you know, that sucks. Yep. He's about to just, like, kill everybody. But then Alistair is like, ooh, 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 I did something cool. <laughs> <laughs> I found the tracker that Spidey stuck on the Slayer. He says that this that with his discovery, he can, like, reverse track Spider-Man and basically, like, lead them right back to the tablet. I think that's actually a cool inventive use of the spider track tracer because yeah. I had forgotten that that was even a thing by this point. Yeah. And that sort of gets them, gets them like, back, like that's a, another thing where it's sort of, like, it's an inventive way to keep these people in the plot and, like, finding new ways to reintegrate them other than just having someone they love be kidnapped again. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of redemption for Alistair. <laughs> yeah, he finally does something smart in these episodes. <laughs> uh, you, you got there, Alistair. You got there. Yeah. <laughs> At Silvermane's. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, I know why you are, because this is also like silly and annoying. <laughs> So at Silvermane's, Elisa stops Tombstone from unmasking a restrained Spider-Man, who, by the way, is restrained up against the wall by just, like, tentacle cables that just sure. come out of the wall. <laughs> I don't sure. understand how those how those work, uh, but they do. And Spider-Man ends up realizing who Elisa is. He learns her real identity, that she mm. is, in fact, a Silvermane. Yep. And says, I really liked her. No, he just says, I liked her. Like, sad. <laughs> it does suck. Oh, it is like a devastating twist, but it would have been so much better if we'd known her for a while. Yeah. And, he, and, like, got, and we actually figured that he actually liked her. Because really, he didn't seem to show any interest in her other than just, like, knowing her name until she asked him out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Who Who is she? <laughs> I know. We don't know. It's a bummer. <laughs> this could have worked so well. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. 
Well, from that, I mean, I'm, it's it's fine. I don't. Do they even really need to do the unmasking bit? I don't know what no, it adds to. It doesn't. It doesn't add at all. It just makes. It's just like it's another case where it's sort of like. Well, people ask why they hadn't amassed him yet. We have to explain it. And it's like, but by calling it out, everybody just looks that much dumber. Yeah. It's not <laughs> at a commercial break either. Like that would have, I that I think that actually would have been fine. Uh, it might have been yeah. like tricking me into thinking it mattered, but yeah, it, it's not it even like, we're going to take this mask off, cut to commercial. No, we're not. Yeah. Sigh of relief. Uh, yeah. Nope. Nope. Just a thing. So uh, whatever that happens. And <laughs> <laughs> right after that, uh, we see Elisa and Tombstone looking on, basically like looking on into Dr. Connor's science cage <laughs> as he like works on science stuff. I think he has an assistant in there, doesn't he? Oh, I didn't notice that. I think there might be someone else really? in there. Oh, weird. Yeah. Which, who's that? Who's that person? I did not notice that. What did they do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he does. I think he has an assistant. I hope, I hope. I hope that you're wrong if only because the place explodes in the end and it's clear who escapes and that person would not have escaped. <laughs> I think he has an assistant. Maybe weird. I made it up. Maybe I hallucinated an assistant. But I weird. That's so anyway, weird. he's working on de-aging experiments and he actually manages to succeed in de-aging and like fully rejuvenating a rose using the tablet and some light and stuff like that. He says it's not done yet. Like, this is not an accurate representation of what will happen to a human. Uh, I need more time. But Elisa's like, you're stalling. That's fake. We need you to do this now. Clearly it works. So get your ass over there. We're getting Silvermane and we're doing this thing. Thanks for dooming your dad, Elisa. Yeah, cool move, Elisa. (laughs) (laughs) God. (sighs) Yeah. So Silvermane enters the replica temple. Spider-Man realizes uh, that like Silvermane, I know that that's the name of the crime boss. Like he references that he knew the name from like Bugle Files. And then he, and he's like, and he connects the dots. Like, oh, that's Silvermane. That's the old man I saved from Kingpin and Doc Ock in in the Insidious Six. And he's even like, well, dang, if I knew he was that crime lord, I would have just like given him to Doc Ock with a bow attached. (laughs) Dark, bro. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, uh, you know, Dr. Connors continues to plead with Elisa to hold off the operation, uh, which is a weird way to put it. But they lock him up. (laughs) They just lock him up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so good job, guys. You're going to regret this later. Yeah, so they're in the temple, and, like, we get a good look at the, um, at, like, the tablet like when when Silvermane's up there, it says some weird stuff on there. It says like Petri ad Moenia Hyeret. I don't know what that means, but mm. we see that pretty clearly when he's like in the temple. So yeah. they're kind of preparing for the ritual. They like open up the um like they open up the roof to get the sunlight into it, right? So theoretically, it's gonna like charge it with radiation or whatever, which is crazy. So that's when the Mega Slayer flies in to stop them. Uh, so chaos is of course going to ensue from a giant robot trying to stop this, uh, ancient ritual from happening. So that happens. So there's a little fight sequence where Tombstone badly damages it. And, uh, Kingpin sends Hammerhead to retrieve the tablet instead. Which, what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't How know. How close are they? Are they neighbors? Right. I don't know. I don't I know. I guess he has a helicopter. I guess he does. But, but it still like, seems weird. Like, hey, Hammerhead, the Mega Slayer broke. Can you, can you get in there? <laughs> Yeah, it's um weird. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah, it's all weird. It's the it's fact that weird. the Mega Slayer comes in and then just like immediately is like <laughs> taken down like pretty quickly. Yeah. 
Like, it would be cool if it actually caused more chaos. Because it even, like, at first, Spider-Man's like, ooh, good, a distraction. This is great. And then, like, one of his wires gets blasted off, but then he immediately gets, like, reattached to the wall. So, like, nothing changes from the Spider-Slayer coming, Mm. except for, like, later on, Smythe and Fisk can, like, watch what's happening. Which, again, plays no role in anything. So, like, it's all kind of weird. Yeah. I'm a little, like, uh, traumatized by the fact that you kind of implied there should have been more chaos. Well, (laughs) I mean, okay. I mean, like, there should have been something else that happened other than, like, robot, robot, down. Like, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I get what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's weird. Like, this is a time where it actually would have made sense for it to be kind of wreaking a bit more havoc uh, than it does, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Well... Silvermane and Elisa do complete the Toltec ritual, and Silvermane is de-aged into a young man of maybe 20, maybe 40 years old. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Connors, this this whole time, like, while this is happening, is, like, shouting for them to stop and is, like, pounding on his, like, lab-slash-prison walls, which causes him to begin mutating into Lizard once again because he's stressed, yo. You care too much, dude. Like, if if they're going to fucking do this against your better wishes, then, like, that's kind of what they deserve because they did literally kidnap you. That's true. Yeah, he does care a lot about what happens to Silvermane. I mean, like, I guess that makes him a a good dude, but, like, eh. What what can you do about it, dude? Caring to the extent of turning yourself into the lizard is, like, a little too much caring. Good point. Yes, good point. Lesson learned, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, well, when the now younger Silvermane attempts to unmask Spider-Man. Oh, that's right. I guess that's why. But even still, who cares if he's unmasked? Whatever. Yeah. The, the, okay. What I'm saying is they did the weird, well, I'm going to unmask Spider-Man thing so that Elisa could be like, no, you can't do that because that's for Silvermane to do. There's no reason for Silvermane to even care about that, especially since Spider-Man saved Silvermane once. Yeah. Yeah. Why Whatever. is he so, why does he hate him so much? It doesn't make any sense. He doesn't. He shouldn't. There's no reason for him to, except that he's a crime lord, I guess, but whatever. I guess. Yeah, I so, guess that's it. Whatever. Silvermane goes to unmask Spider-Man because like, he's the big guy that gets to do it. But the now fully transformed lizard crashes through the wall of that lab prison thing <laughs> and just sort of like attacks mm-hmm. and he gets to do the wreaking of havoc and rampaging yes 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 and a fight commences lizard and silvermane fight um we see lots of lots of spliced in clips from night of the lizard that are very clearly from that episode like <laughs> what coloring <laughs> the coloring is different the shadows are different the animation is different multiple cuts but hey we are watching spider-man the animated series after all yeah definitely gonna see seeing more of that as the show goes on i think <laughs> And uh, but yeah, so during this like little tussle, the lizard inadvertently destroys the wall and cables, restraining Spider-Man like for real this time. So he's oh, actually yeah. actually free. No more cables are gonna come out and wrap him up. Nope. And then so Spider-Man's like, I'm gonna fight Tombstone now, and they fight. <laughs> Everybody's fighting. Yes, I wanna fight somebody. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's so many people to choose from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and 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 it it <laughs> it creates confusion because like. Elisa's like, oh, I'm going to pick up this gun and I'm going to help too. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then realizes like, wait, they're fighting over there and they're fighting over there. Wh- who do I shoot? <laughs> <laughs> this is so ridiculous. <laughs> it could have been more ridiculous. They should have gone more ridiculous. Whatever. I know. I know. 
uh, I don't know. She, she so ultimately she chooses to shoot Lizard, which is the choice that will save her father. Um, but of course that means she doesn't shoot Spider-Man. Um, so Spider-Man's still good, good to go. That's like five times now that they could have killed Spider-Man and didn't. I know. Um, or at least like damaged him, whatever. Um, in any case, she saves her father, but when she goes to check on him, he starts rapidly de-aging further and sort of like briefly checkpoints into a child and then goes even further into a baby, um, a very buff baby that kind of <laughs> has the body of like the monster Jack from the Incredibles. <laughs> it's creepy, creepy buff baby. Very strong torso that baby has. Yeah. Uh, very pronounced. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's creepy and weird. I don't yes. like it. I don't like it at all. I do not uh, like that baby design. Nope. 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 I do love <laughs> this next part though. I love this because when that happens, she shouts for Dr. Connors because something's going wrong, but she doesn't know that Dr. Connors is a lizard. So she has no idea that she just chose to shoot and stun the one person that she thinks could have helped. Granted, he couldn't have helped in lizard form, but there's still some cruel irony there. It and I is. Like it. it is. No, again, no one's like the lizard that's wearing a lab coat, the exact same tattered clothes <laughs> that Dr. Connors was wearing that we didn't comment on the fact that they're all tattered. And came <laughs> crashing through the wall of the room where we had locked Dr. Connors in. <laughs> Maybe with or without an intern. We're not sure. Uh, they're all distracted, I guess. A lot of, well, see, lot of, okay. lot of stuff is going on. There's a big hole in the wall. So if he did have an assistant, they just walked out of the hole while all the chaos was happening. So this imaginary assistant that you hallucinated uh-huh. escaped. Good. Yay. Yeah. yeah. You, well, you didn't see the scene where they, they walk out and uh, they focus just on the assistant. And you see, like, in the background, all the chaos ensuing and all the volume of the action and the music dies down. And they just sort of, like, give an eyebrow and walk off. Yeah, yeah. And they have that that interesting line where they're just like, well, I know Tombstone can get through this because he doesn't breathe. So, thank <laughs> goodness. So, I know that everything will be okay. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, shit could have gone totally different. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that assistant became Dark Phoenix. <laughs> Good lord. Okay. Uh, did more than uh, Jean Grey did in part two of the X-Men crossover. <laughs> Which, you know, says a lot considering we're not even sure if this assistant exists. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this episode's like destroyed us. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it broke our brains really. <sighs> Uh, um, yeah, well... Almost there. We're almost there. Almost there. We're so close. <laughs> so <laughs> Tombstone and Spider-Man continue to clash. Just fight and fight and fight. And everybody's fighting. Whatever. The barely operational Mega Slayer manages to uh, shoot and stun Tombstone before shutting down completely. So he doesn't stop breathing because he never breathes. Right, And this right. gives Spidey a moment to web up Tombstone. And when Hammerhead enters and headbutts Spider-Man, like finally not just ramming into a wall and getting stuck there, mm-hmm. that means that Tombstone is given the chance to rip the webbing off. I think there might be a bit missing from this because oh, really? I thought I thought Tombstone was like stunned, and know. then when they cut back to him taking the webbing off, he's just like rearing a go. I I don't so, know. I've I guess they never really quite explain how those stun guns work, but I was I was caught oh, off yeah. guard when he was just like sitting up taking the uh, webbing off of him. Yeah, I feel like I had checked out by this point. So, like, even after watching it two times. So, like, I don't know what was going on. I can't, I couldn't tell you, man. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> well, now that he's free, Tombstone tackles the lizard and he tackles him right into the temple um, and I think shuts the door. 
however that works. Yes, yes, they do definitely do that because I think that that's that's why it's a big deal for Spidey to have to like fly. Oh to yeah, swing yeah, out. yeah. Oh, speaking of the door, um, that's the CGI shot that I think was was so fully integrated that you might miss it. If I you're not did, really paying attention. had no idea. I had no idea. So wow. it's not it's not this. It's when they it's uh it might be is it coming up? It's I think it's coming up because what happens is so so Lizard is stuck in the temple and they shut the door. Elisa orders Tombstone to open the skylight to like fully annihilate everybody who's left. Mm-hmm. Um and she says this like to get back at them for what they did to her father or whatever, which by the way, your you fault. did that to your own father, Elisa. Your fault. Dummy. Your fault. Yeah, yeah. And then those two run off. Well, Spider-Man frees Margaret while the temple is, like, going off. And the temple's, like, hitting Lizard in the process. This, I believe, is where Spider-Man pushes open the temple door. And the temple door is a CGI animated door. Interesting. No, I did not catch that. Nice. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So I was, like, so – I was kind of blown away because I was like, oh, my gosh, they kind of did it. Like nice. if you really pay attention, you can tell because it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not as flat and it's not, but like they, they kind of finally figured out something that, that worked <laughs> in like nice. the way that, that shows now do really, really well. Sure. So I was really impressed. Cause I was like, oh shoot, like shows now don't always accomplish that. They just, they, I think they just kind of got the texture right. Good for you know, them. Cause the, the, the temple was textured in a way that I think kind of camouflaged their, uh, their three-dimensional-ness. <laughs> right, right. Nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm, I'm a little more hopeful for, for what we're going to see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's a, yeah, good positive to take from this mm-hmm. one, definitely. It allows them to do an interesting angle, and I think it allows them to, um, this sounds weird, but like animate it a little less smoothly, so it's it looks more effortful when he opens the door. Mm-hmm. So good on them. Nice. Yeah. I also like the this whole laser sequence. I think the lasers are cool. Like all the lasers are really cool. <laughs> so many lasers. There's so many lasers. It's ridiculous. It's a whole like legit like like laser show style except they're like lasers that can hurt you <laughs> yeah it's like well it's like one of those things yeah i know they could definitely hurt you in this case uh and this would suck if it were real but have you ever been to like a uh not a dave and busters but like that type of place where they have like the laser temple thing mm-hmm. oh yeah it's it's like that where it's yeah. like uh is he gonna get through this except they're dangerous and could kill him it's cool, yeah, because like one of the lasers hits the lizard, but then Spidey, you like they don't call it out, but you assume that like a combination of his spider sense and agility is what allows him to he like sure. literally just flips through all the lasers as uh, they're flashing so cool. around like crazy. Yeah, it's very so cool, cool. Um, and he's able to to get the lizard out of there. Um, so they need oh, and I guess the 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 laser turns the lizard back into Doctor Connors after it hits him. Uh, we yeah. say, which is an important little thing to remember for for the end of the episode. Yes. Yes. This is totally off topic and is going to date exactly when this episode was recorded. But yeah. do you think that in the Black Widow movie, we are going to get a sequence of her either flipping or creeping through lasers? Oh, I hope so. That's such a typical spy thing. Right. I, mean, I want them to go as hard on just like typical spy tropes as possible because that's the only way to like make that movie like different. So, yeah, I would. That'd be cool. I'd be down with that. I want to see it. I don't think they're going to do it. Really? I think it's they such should. An easy, I mean, because even like she's done like crazy flips and stuff before. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's so that would be so easy to do. Or no, she doesn't do it. David Harbour does it. <laughs> <laughs> but he says beforehand, like, 
I don't know. I'm a little rusty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a Black Widow movie. I want a David Harbour as whatever his character's name is. Movie. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for we need Marvel Black- Studios presents David Harbour. <laughs> David Harbour as that character David Harbour plays. He's David Harbour. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the movie. <laughs> Oh, amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> All right. Well, there are a few things left that happen in this episode. We've just seen that Spidey frees Dr. Connors from the temple. Um, he does swing off with the couple's Connors as the temple in the lab. So the whole top of this building just explode. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. But they get away. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. So we get some of these like closing up conclusion type moments none of them super long but all with uh with with stuff we should consider moving forward so at kingpin's home vanessa ends up leaving kingpin she says that's it that's enough i said i didn't want a crime husband you're still a crime husband that was all crazy and i'm out of here which makes kingpin mad and i i hope based on other kingpin stories I hope that this will be something moving forward, if only just to sort of make Kingpin a more aggressive character, because thus far he has not been very aggressive. And I think that that as a point of anger could motivate some of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I kind of hope that there's an effect. I don't think that she comes back necessarily, but uh, I hope that there's a lasting effect and ripple uh, of her leaving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like this. I like that I lo- yeah. aspect of it. I still, you know, I wish she didn't have to get kidnapped or whatever, but, like, I think that makes sense for her story. Um, yes. This is, like, the best version, you know, that they could have done with a Kingpin's wife gets kidnapped story. So yeah. I like it. I, I also just like heartbroken Kingpin. I, I do, think too. it's a good characteristic for him. I think it works really well given how physically imposing and quite literally sort of a wall he is i think Mm -hmm. it's nice to give him such a identifiable strong emotion to be driven by that that definitely sometimes works towards what he's doing and sometimes doesn't yeah it's 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 good yeah he still has like he does legitimately love her so this is actually like really devastating for him and i like that aspect a lot that he's not a complete sociopath Yes. What, and that makes him a little more complicated because then it's sort of like you can't write him off as just a bad guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and she's still she, – but it's still like ultimately her decisions. She still has agency and she takes advantage of that to leave him. So yeah. it works for her too. I think the little we see of her, she's a, she's a, she's a good character considering what little, little screen time she gets in this. Yeah. You know who she looks like? Yeah. Marianne Williamson. Oh, yeah. I could see that. Kind of does. She has like that streak in her hair. I can like, see that. Kind of the same length. Yeah. You know, doesn't sound any. Well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> sounds a little more like her than uh, than I think she would have intended. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. If she was really going in on that, like, north, was it northeastern? Mid-Atlantic? Mid-Atlantic. Mid-Atlantic. I think I said transatlantic before, but yeah, mid-Atlantic is what it is. Yeah. If she really went in on that, she, she could nail uh, Marianne Williamson. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Weird topical reference, Doug. <laughs> so after that happens, the the breakup happens. Hammerhead actually brings Kingpin the tablet, and Kingpin is like, "Destroy it! I don't want to see it," because it reminds him of of what happened with Vanessa. So yeah. he wants nothing to do with it anymore, and has it ordered destroyed. 
I like you know I like that too. I like I like the ironic like punishments that him and like Kingpin and Silvermane both get. Like yeah. that is a like, really cool like storytelling choice that they make because really <laughs> Spider-Man's kind of incidental in these stories. Like this stuff would have yeah. more or less played out like it like a variation of what it would have without him involved. Might have worked better. <laughs> it would probably work better without him. Yes. If this was a more experimental show, yeah. they could have done an episode without Spider-Man or with him only appearing in like scant few scenes and yeah. just done a full like villain story. And it would have been really compelling, I think. And they're both like really kind of beautiful poetic endings for both of them like that are both kind of equally devastating like they both in ways like get exactly what they wanted but just in the very twisted like deal with the devil kind of way like so yeah. he wanted youth he got youth to the worst possible extent by turning him into a baby kingpin like wanted the tablet of time and wanted to continue like his business and and getting whatever he wanted and he just had to lose his wife in in order to get the tablet of time so you know, it's it's good storytelling. Um, it's good. You know, I just wish all the stuff leading up to it was better. Yeah. Yeah, they set it up and they end it. And everything in between is just very, very complicated. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, after that, Dr. Connors wakes up with Spider-Man um, and Margaret. Whoa. <laughs> the way you said that. <laughs> I know. That was intentional. <laughs> Uh, Spider-Man and Margaret are both present when Dr. Connors wakes up. <laughs> Spider-Man explains uh, what happens. It is funny. He just kind of tosses off like, yeah, Silvermane turned into a baby. And then Margaret's like, <laughs> I'm so glad you're back. Like, they don't even comment on it beyond that. <laughs> look, look, they're coping. They're protecting their, their sanity and their mental state. And they're just not acknowledging any of that. None of that happened. God, this is so absurd. This is so absurd. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, and then you, yeah, they just move right on from that. Yeah, yeah. Do turn into a baby, but you know what? You're not the lizard anymore, so that's cool, right? You got that going yeah. for you. Um, yeah. yeah. Basically, like the tablet of time's healing energy or whatever. Like they presume that that actually healed him of the lizard. I kind of doubt it. I'm sure we'll see the lizard again, but yeah. at least for now, he's been he's been healed of being the lizard. Connors does lament that they couldn't like save the tablet because well Spider I should say Spider Man assumes that the tablet was destroyed in the explosion so that's why they're not like going out looking for it or whatever they think that it, it's gone so Connors laments that that like oh you know the tablet could have saved saved you from your mutation illness like it saved me but you know Spidey doesn't get what he wants he's not really that broken up about it it's just like yeah oh well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man, of all people, should be, like, way more upset. <laughs> I guess it's sort of like... <laughs> at this, this thing, point. At this point, it's just like, I don't even ever want to see that thing ever again. Like, True. let's just be done. <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, is the recombinator <laughs> fine? I'll keep coming back. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't need the tablet. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a dude turn into a baby. Like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Let's stick I'm with good. science. Pure, pure good science. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> uh, it does end... With Hammerhead delivering the Tablet of Times, which is, you know, he didn't dispose of it like Kingpin wanted. I guess he he did get rid of it, but got rid of it by selling it to the highest bidder. The highest bidder being this unidentified bald man. Ah. That reminds me of a weird unrelated thing is that at some point in either this episode or last week, they mention, I think it was the, it actually was last week's episode, Deborah mentions yep. that studying the Tablet of Time might get them to win the Tombs Grant. Yes, the Tombs Grant. Put a pin in that for later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
crazy unrelated to that last scene, though. I don't know why I thought of that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we have a few faces of the episode for this one. Yeah. This is such a bizarre face. It's Peter's face. Um, it's not bizarre because it's Peter's face. It's just he's making a weird expression. This is from when he is... I think it's when he's changing his web. Yeah. And he looks super bored, but his <laughs> mouth is always, it's like also like halfway up his face. And he's also doing like a, a thinking or confused eyebrow. <laughs> and his eyes are kind of tiny. Like there's, it's, it looks like somebody Snapchat filtered his face. We'll say that. And given the stakes of what's going on, could really use a little more, more energy, more intensity. Peter, get in the game, maybe. Yeah. Strange. Yeah, so strange. Makes, makes his chin look huge. Huge chin. Huge. You know who else had a huge chin and we didn't even talk about it? Young man Silverman. <gasps> Dude. Yeah. His character model is weird because it's Enormous like. Enormous chin. Yeah. Yeah. It's like his facial features are all like super tiny for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, this, this grab is like on the road to being like Silvermane's young man face. It's weird because I feel like there's a pretty logical like young Silvermane face you can make based on old Silvermane face and the one that they chose really looks nothing like him. Like yeah. he has kind of the same eyebrows and that's literally it. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it was kind of strange. I was I was thinking that same thing. Like they don't really do a one to one sort of uh we've just made you younger but all your characteristics are the same type Yeah. Of thing. It's like they really just pulled a random character model that they already had cuz he just looks like generic white guy like that's it yeah (laughs) the other one is great speaking of silvermane by the way um (laughs) when he continues to get younger he turns into a baby he's still he's crying perpetually like every time you see him but there's one shot where elisa's holding him and talking to tombstone and he looks very happy he looks like a very joyful baby actually yeah (laughs) and it's just not just like a little mischievous you know like he's ready to go he it's a frozen face on him too and it's like stuck on that face for a little while and then like the next (laughs) The next shot, it com- it cuts to from another angle, like he's moving and crying. So it's funny that this one is like their frozen one. And it's just like, <laughs> he looks like, hey, yeah. Like, hi. Like, I don't know. Are you sure you aren't happy to have turned into a baby? Like, oh, I have no responsibilities. <laughs> there's a uh, there's an animated producer off to the side shaking a rattle at him right now. <laughs> That's what's going on. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's just so fascinated. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Why? Well, I guess this actually happens with babies. But I was going to say, why is is baby Silvermane, like, the blondest child of all? Uh, and then, like, young man Silvermane has, like, the darkest hair ever. I mean, I was. But a, that does happen. I was a blonde baby. And, I, you know, yeah. I have very, very, very brown hair. So You don't have, like, jet black hair, though. That's true. Yeah. I guess my little brother does. And he he had, like, blonde hair. Yeah. I don't understand why that happens, though. That's so interesting. But also, that- this is a cartoon. <laughs> just make the baby's hair black like the character i don't know <laughs> i don't know why i care yeah oh god i don't know why anything in these episodes honestly they're not uh, there's there was there was good stuff in them I'm, I'm glad that we were able to pull out some good things and i will say too that if there was a theme to this entire season, roughly, vaguely, in the most broadest strokes, it's very much about, like, your own, like, body and health, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously Silvermane's plight of wanting to get younger and then the the horror of being turned into a baby, like, that plays into that. So, like, I see how this thematically, at the bare minimum of this episode, like, not really having themes, but at the barest minimum, I see how this two-parter 
fits into this particular season as opposed to other seasons. Well, I mean, there are a number of moments across the season. It's not necessarily like the deepest theme or the most original theme, but like there's a lot of be careful what you wish for in this season. Sure. This episode really highlights that with the Mm -hmm. sort of ironic punishments they get. But we do see that. I mean, we see that with Peter himself. We see that with um Landon we see that mm-hmm. with Morbius mm-hmm. um I don't know if it's really accurate to say that we see that in Hydro Man cuz I feel like that would be sort of not taking seriously enough the point of that particular episode but we do see that in a number of of cases this idea of pursuing too aggressively something and then getting the the ironic outcome yeah yeah so it, it fits into here. I see why it's placed where it is. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think it's weird because the the Morbius arc was so long and had like a pretty even mixture of like mediocre to really, really insanely good stuff in it. Yeah. So like to then kind of shift total gears to something, it's not something completely different, but it's something very different from what we've been getting for a while that almost feels like kind of a reboot, like right at the tail end of the season. Yeah. It's just it just feels kind of weird and I think that's like a handicap that it gets right off the bat and that it doesn't help that they're just like utterly chaotic. After again a, a series of episodes that are like even if not the greatest are at least generally like fairly tight and like kind of fit into like the same tone and everything. Like there's always kind of like gothic horror backdrop to everything that's been going on for the past like six episodes. So like I I stand by what I said last week with, like, that these are kind of, like, an interesting breather before going into the finale, but it's still, it makes it harder to, like, get behind in the first place, and then it's not very good (laughs) after that, even if you're trying to get behind them. Yeah, well, it's, it's weird. I don't know that I would have wanted them to do this on these two particular episodes, but you bring up the sort of gothic horror element of it, and this season really, aside from the way that it starts really kind of hones in on different areas of like human horror. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it gets supernatural and it gets weird sciency and body horror, but ultimately a lot of it has to do with like these darker elements of humanity in, in the way that a kid's show can, they very easily could have done that with these two episodes. They've involved tombstone who you could easily write that for. They have this sort of ancient relicy thing. That's where I wouldn't have wanted them to do it but I'm surprised they didn't do it, mm-hmm. especially given how weird some of the related content like Indiana Jones gets or like the yeah. mummy gets. Um, so it's, it is not even necessarily just like weird in the way it tells the story or it's pacing or the room that it's not really given to breathe, but just even tonally given the sort of darker i hate saying darker but like heavier stuff that they tackle this doesn't even go there when it could have yeah yeah i would agree with that strange strange yeah this is one of those (laughs) cases yeah this is one of those cases where it's sort of like were you getting tired at the end of the season like after breaking everything you know like i know that that's a thing that happens with with some tv shows so it's like i don't know i don't know it I doesn't feel like, feel like that, though. It doesn't feel no. like they just gave up. It feels like they were trying to do too much, but didn't really know like what they were doing. It feels like a story that somebody really was really excited about. And I, I get why they would be, because mm-hmm. the pieces and the motivation behind those pieces is really interesting. 
and and the ingredients could have made for a really really cool story mm-hmm. and and many times it it has glimpses of that yeah definitely but i wonder if this is the type of thing i mean we talked about it being something that could have been condensed to one episode this might have actually benefited from being its own sort of longer four-part arc you know especially given how many characters that they bring into it that's true so i mean we get the morbius thing over i think it's four episodes right four or five episodes yeah roughly yeah this this really could have could have done a similar thing they just I wonder if maybe that was it, right? Like, this is a cool mm. story, too, but we don't necessarily have all the episodes that we need, but we don't want to give up the story. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think you're right. I think that they could have they, they could have weaved it in, and then that would have been a little more of, like, an emotional catharsis with, like, Elisa and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't have to introduce that stuff in the beginning of the season, but if at least we had, like, two extra episodes with them – in play it would have it would have it would have felt a little bit better and worked out a little better yeah huh yeah and that's always tough because obviously they're working in the constraints of how many episodes they can do in a given season so yeah that's rough yeah and i think because this is um this is a comic story i believe like i think this is a not a super fit yeah because i know that like i don't know how it plays out but i know that silvermane tries to find like it's variation of a fountain of youth. I don't know if it's exactly like a tablet of time like this, but I know he tries to find his fountain of youth and then like de-ages. And I think in that case, like de-ages into like nothingness, like he's like unborn or something. It's just like turns into a zygote. Right. So then, like, like a single cell. <laughs> yeah. So like, I think that I, I could imagine that this is a case where this was a comic story that someone really liked and wanted to adapt. Yeah. And, you know, and like I said, I see how it fits into the season. It just kind of sucks yeah. that it was, didn't weave in in the way that again we've just like gotten really used to expecting in the last like six episodes at, at mm-hmm. least so yeah i don't know it's um it's not the biggest bummer it could have been but no it was still you know at least at the end of the day we always have i don't breathe yeah the greatest words like some of the, like really one of the greatest phrases uttered in the history yeah. of of cinema honestly yeah i think um I think I'm gonna get tattooed uh, on my body. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're looking to do something more productive than tattooing tombstone quotes on your body, <laughs> uh, we would encourage you to check out our Patreon over at Patreon.com/slash/WallopingWebSnappers, where you will get access to some additional content as a thank you for supporting our podcast. We currently have a handful or so of bonus episodes just for patrons, but for all patrons. So if that's something you're interested in, if you like what we're doing, check that out. It could be for you. Yes, yes, yes. And you would, if you would like to find us individually, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale, D-E-R-E-K-B-G-A-Y-L-E, or on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, looking at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibouli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y, tweeting about all kinds of things, and who knows, maybe I'll post a picture of my new tattoo on there. God. <laughs> and if you like Pokemon things, you can find me on Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast here on the Fried Radio Network, where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. 
And if you are interested in more content from Walloping Web Snappers online, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod. You can also email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com, sending us suggestions or feedback or just sharing whatever you'd like. Maybe your own pictures of your own tombstone tattoos. Um, or, 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 you know, we didn't ask for this last episode, but I really should have. I've been kicking myself. Um, tank top kingpin fan art, please. Oh, dude, duh. Yeah. Uh, that'd be great. Thanks so much. Additionally, if you could find us on Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe, that would be amazing. It helps other people find our podcast. If you like it, there's someone else out there who doesn't know we exist yet who would love to find us too. And of course, you know, anything, any platform where you can give us a rating, please do. It's nice. We like it. We read them. We're into it. And next week, the Vulture will usher us closer to the season finale in Shriek of the Vulture. Don't breathe. I never do. (laughs) I don't need to. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. If you would like to tattoo us on your body, visit our Patreon. That doesn't make any damn sense.